That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are back at it. Uh, another Sunday of powerful, uh, delicious, gospel filled uh, readings. Uh, how are you doing? Delicious indeed, as they say. Um, and, uh, I think I'm doing great, you know, and, uh, it's great to be here. How are you? Uh, man, I'm hot. It's hot in Texas. Well, I'm not because we have air conditioning everywhere, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it's sort of, it's supposed to be 104 today. Uh, Ooh. you know, stay that way. So, um, all, Count me out. all you people who watch Fixer Upper and think Waco looks, <laughs> uh, so idyllic, it can, uh, but it's hot. You know, that's a that's a great thing to remember pastorally when um, you are preaching. Um, I believe it was J.C. Ryle who once said, remember, Jesus calls us to feed sheeps, not giraffes. And uh, sometimes um, during this hot season, especially if you're in churches like mine, which are not air conditioned, because um, they were not designed for this level of heat, um, to uh, keep your sher- sermons direct and to the point. There's nothing wrong with that. Once heard someone say sermonettes create Christianettes, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, you know, when all when all you're thinking about is get me out of here, they're not listening to your long, thirty minute rant. Um, what they want to hear is a word of comfort and a word of truth, and this is what the Word of God intends to deliver to people first and foremost. Keep the rants to ten minutes, maybe fifteen. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's right. I was just reading an article that said that TED talks proved everybody wrong. You know, it used to be that people thought a keynote speaker had to be 45 to 60 minutes. And uh, then TED Talks came around and people were like, oh, 20 minutes is pretty good. And I learned something and it was powerful. Mm. And why am I crying right now in my office as I watch this uh, video of <laughs> Brene Brown? So um, yeah, keep, keep it keep it short. Brevity is the soul of wit and uh, makes a sermon digestible. Mm. Uh, remember, mm. as, as the old hymn uh, by Martin Luther, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, goes... Uh, it says one little word shall fell him. The gospel is a short word. Yeah. It doesn't take a long time yeah. to say your sins are forgiven. So mm. that's what we're doing here, folks. All right. So when on that note, we begin with the word, not a lot of forgiveness here. We begin with Jeremiah. Uh, yeah. The word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah. Yeah. And so this and Sunday, so- we're, so we're talking about Sunday, um, August 25th, um, again, in the dog days of summer and um, as gracious pastors, we're just going to open up a can of uh, uh, judgment on them in Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah is known as the prophet of doom. And just for those of you who are thinking ahead and wondering what you want to preach on, maybe all the way to October, uh, you can do a sermon series on Jeremiah and Lamentations. Um, and uh, it will be uh, probably the the least peppy sermon series you've ever preached. If you'd like to see declining attendance from now until All Saints Day, do a sermon <laughs> yeah. series on Jeremiah. <laughs> so anyway, although this passage is oftentimes 
um, one of the most kitched out passages there ever are. I saw somebody once uh, selling these signs that said, before I formed you in the womb, place your name here, I knew you. Mm. And uh, really, that is to completely take this passage out of context. This passage is not about you. And uh, But what is it actually about, Aaron? And why don't you set the context for us in the in the first three verses. Well, so yeah, the, this is Jeremiah who who is going to be a prophet to Jerusalem. And the whole thing about the forming you in the womb, that's basically God saying, I have appointed you to do a really hard thing uh, to be a prophet to the nations, which is not a promotion. It's not a good job. It is <laughs> yeah. not a plum position at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, Jeremiah is not to live, not about to live his best life now. This is not that his is dreams sure. coming true. This is like I'm going to give purpose you sucks. An, impo- an impossible <laughs> job, and your life is going to suck. Uh, and as we read through Jeremiah, um, you'll get a sense of that. Uh, Jeremiah has to hide his underwear under a rock for a while. He gets thrown into a pit, uh, and there is a lot of law. and uh, And this is what a job of a prophet is. People think prophecy is telling the future. That ain't what it is. Right on Waco Drive, about a mile from my office, there's a there's a psychic and tarot card reader. You can get it done for five bucks. Uh, which I sort of feel like if that person knew what he That's or she all? was doing, the house would not be for sale and the yard would not be full of weeds as it is. So um, <laughs> if you could predict the future, you'd have. Uh, uh, you'd be doing better in the market. But um, yeah. the prophet, the prophet's job is to remind people of what God's law is and to point out to them how they are not fulfilling it and then to mm-hmm. remind them what will happen if they continue to uh, be in violation of the contract. Uh, it's, right. to, it's, it's you open up your credit card agreement and see that thing about the late fees and... Um, uh, and and garnishing your wages and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, all the fine print you didn't read. Mm-hmm. The end user license <laughs> agreement. So this is what the prophet does. And uh, and Jeremiah chapter. So the thing that you don't get in the reading that's assigned for today because it skips the first three verses of Jeremiah is that it says that Jeremiah's a prophet. He's a priest. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. He preaches his messages during the reign of these several uh, kings. And at the end of it, it says. You know, he preached through when they went into exile in Babylon. So that sets the context. This is this is a flashback. All this is a flashback to before they go into exile. So people that are reading this are going to be people who are now in exile. Their world has fallen apart. The wheels have come off. They're not home. Uh, uh, gosh, they're like, I just read the story about a guy who was brought by his parents from, from, he was born in Greece. His parents were Iraqi. He was brought to the U.S. when he was one year old. He was deported in his late 30s to Iraq. He had never been there, didn't speak the language. Uh, and I can't imagine feeling more alienated, isolated, and disoriented than that. And he just, he 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 died, actually. Uh, had mental illness and uh, diabetes and, uh, and died. Uh, so these are people who are in Babylon, by the way, Iraq, and, uh, and they wanted to be in Israel, their home. And so this book of Jeremiah is going to, kind of explain to people and help people understand why everything has fallen apart and what Jeremiah was saying to them before they went into exile. Yeah, this is a, this is very, that's a great point. Uh, you know, Jeremiah is often known as the prophet of doom. And, um, and what the point, one of the points of Jeremiah is to make sense of suffering. Oftentimes, you know, the people of Israel are like, where is God? Where is Yahweh? And one of the things that Jeremiah is illustrating in his passage here is that one, um, and you see this when Jeremiah says, man, Lord, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a boy. 
One, God speaks through weak things. Yes. So God speaks through weak things. The second thing is that he says, in the midst of your suffering, I'm totally in control of it. Yep. I'm totally in control of it. I have got it down because the people were like, where's Yahweh? You know, people are always asking, where's God in the midst of suffering? And he's like, man, I'm in the midst of it and I'm in control of it. And then two, the the third thing people were asking is, is like, well, maybe are the Babylonian gods greater? Is Babylon greater than Yahweh? No, no, no. I'm actually using, I'm so in control that I'm using Babylon as an instrument of my judgment. I'm using Babylon as an instrument of my judgment. And really, when you begin to read Jeremiah in its total context, you begin to see that like God actually uses suffering. And he uses suffering for multiple reasons, but specifically here today, one, to get us off of ourselves. Because when we think we're Yahweh, like those before us, we totally screw things up. And then two, to, uh, God uses suffering to draw us back to our place of need and to remind us that we are a creature in need of Yahweh and his redemption. And so this is the point when he says at the end here that I've put my word in your mouth. I've appointed you over the nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow and to build and plant. So it's never, God never just rips you down and leaves you there. Now, there's more destruction here because Jeremiah is the prophet of doom, but man, there is a word, and that build and plant is the gospel. Uh, One who finally came and uh, was plucked and destroyed on your behalf, and now by his Holy Spirit, builds you and plants you into a new creation. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, if you think about... um, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to talk about suffering because people are saying, are you saying God causes suffering? Are you, you know, and, and um, we, could, we could do a two-hour podcast on that question and we still would not get to the bottom of it. But I think what we are, uh, what we are saying here is that um, often when you get arrested um, in Coventry, Vermont, uh, uh, for because you've got Percocet and Where Xanax, have you been and what have you been doing? Uh, and you get you find yourself in jail and, and you then realize, um, oh, my life is messed up and I might need to get some help. And this is what happened to Trey Anastasio, the, the guy in Fish. Um, and he just talks about actually his relief at getting arrested um, because it was um, it was what is exactly what needed to happen. He was living in a nightmare. And he needed something mm. like that to happen to him to kind of wake him up and uh, and get him into a, into a new place. So I think um, wow, that's great. Uh, that's what we mean when we say like I, I don't want to get into the causing suffering, whatever. But certainly, it does seem to be the case <laughs> in every human life I know that the place where we come to the end of ourselves and begin to turn to God and find a new life where we're free um, of our ego, where we're free of um, just the self absorption, where we're free of things that. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes calls vanity, you know, the empty things in our lives. Moving to that place of freedom, I've never seen somebody like at the top of their game just have an epiphany and say, life's great, but it's meaningless, so I'm going to turn over a new leaf. It always seems to be that people hit the bottom and that's where things begin to turn around. Absolutely. I love No Effects. They have a song um, called um, um, It's Beautiful at the Bottom. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's just really, it's such a good song. Beautiful at the bottom, everybody. Um, by No Effects. There it is. Uh, this episode brought to you by No Effects. Uh, 
Let's um, let's uh, talk now. So Jeremiah, I think that we we've covered the bases on that at least uh, beginning mm-hmm. with that. Um, there's, as you said, the the kind of Nazareth principle. God speaks through foolish things, small things, insignificant things, mm-hmm. weak things. That's why Jesus is from Nazareth. Um, but now we move uh, from Jeremiah um, into uh, Hebrews, which we you know we have been and will be in Hebrews again. If you wanted to do a mini sermon series, um, you could be doing that. And we come to these two mountains, the twin peaks of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, you've mm. got um, Mount Sinai, although it's not mentioned, it's not named in the passage. That's what the uh, speaker is talking about here, versus Mount Zion, uh, where Bob Marley lives. So what, mm. uh, Jake, uh, what, is, what are the differences in these two mountains? Gosh, well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Mount 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 Sinai is the place where um, the law um, was delivered, and it is a place of thunder. It is a place of uh, smoke and fire, and terrible and horrible judgment. Uh, this is where, um, as Ralph Elskin says in his poem, Law and Gospel, um, where God, in all of his terror, um, is concealed or uh, is revealed. Um, um, where God and is concealed and uh, only terror is revealed. Um, and then Mount Sinai is the place where God's mercy is found, God's grace is found, and it's all revealed in the cross of Jesus. And so, um, and uh, really what um, the author of Hebrews is doing here is making a distinction, which is a classic Jewish distinction between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, a place of terror and judgment and a place of grace and mm-hmm. mercy. Yeah, and it's it, there's a there's a thing here. I think you can talk about what um, what the real life with Christ looks like compared to um, how it often feels for people. Because a lot of people who are in Christ, who are in church every Sunday, they feel like they are on Mount Sinai. Uh, mm. They feel like they are um, uh, um, a place that is full of fear. Uh, and uh, this is the this is what the writer is saying here that that um, even Moses trembled with fear. It was a terrifying sight. Um, but uh, and if your religion is fear based, um, that ain't no way to live. And 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 what the author here is, you know, the whole point of Hebrews is basically here's a here's a writer. Although many scholars think this was actually first a sermon because there's actually a lot of phrases in. Hebrews, where the person says, I speak to you, I say to you. So um, anyway, the person who's speaking is trying to get people to who are in these early days of Christianity under a lot of suffering and a lot of temptation to, to leave Christianity and go back to something else, go back to Judaism, go back to Greco-Roman religions or whatever. And so he wants them to understand the difference of, of what Christianity is and why they should stick with it. And um, and he goes back and forth between different means. It's a little carrot and stick, good cop, bad cop. And sometimes he'll, mm-hmm. he'll say, remember the goodness of the gospel, and then he'll say, but also watch out that you don't, you know, uh, lose your way. So uh, this first part is just training people that we're not in a system of fear. This is a new place. This is this is a party. Uh, a f- that's what festal gathering means, you know, verse 22 mm-hmm. here of Hebrews 12. Festival gathering to us sounds super lame, but I mean, Coachella or I mean, whatever you want to put in there, you're a wedding reception of like the best, uh, you know, there's some weddings that are terrible, but you've probably all been to one that was just a joyous, wonderful party that you never wanted to end. 
I hope your wedding was like that. My 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 reception mm-hmm. felt like that. So this is the festal gathering, and this is not a place of fear or judgment. Um, and so so that's what this is beginning uh, with here. And and I hope you are in a place where you'll be able to hear that uh, listener. And if you're a preacher, yeah. that you'll preach that that your religion is not one of fear. Uh, fire, darkness, gloom, and tempest, but a place of grace and a word that Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. We have a new covenant. Mm-hmm. The blood has done the job. And it's not, and the reason why it's not a religion of fear is because it's not a religion of do. You know, the truth is, is that do, religion of do ultimately leads to resentment. I mean, just think about all the other people who are doing, you know, who are not doing what you should think they should be doing. Yeah. Um, you know, that creates resentment. And that's the very, that's the very point of the um the end of that first paragraph, you know, and to sprinkled with a blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Yeah. You know, Cain and uh Cain was just like, man, I, you know, I can't do enough. I can't do enough, which led to the murder of Abel, and Abel's blood still cries out. But, you know, we have a religion of done, and there on Mount Zion, our cry is Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Um, and, you know, and so, and we keep the feast. And this is really what the author of Hebrews is calling the people to remember, to keep the feast, uh, to rest in the finished work of Jesus. Because there is a temptation when you hear the gospel to be bought by the yeah buts. You know, how many of times have we heard, yeah, yeah, the gospel, but... You know, now you got to do it. And this is really what the author is speaking against. He's trying to he's trying to bring an end to the yeah, but, which um, subtly leads people um, back to Sinai as opposed to Zion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, let's now turn to the gospel reading uh, mm. to, to can, Mount— Can I just say I made a mistake on the last reference. It, it, the, the song is called It Ain't Lonely at the Bottom by No Effects. And it's on their um, wonderful album, First Stitch Effort. So everybody should check that out. Thank you, Jake. And thank you, Internet, for uh, helping mm. us solve that. And, and um, now we maybe, <laughs> hopefully now we won't get any uh, angry uh, emails from NoFX's yeah. lawyers. We have a, we have a, we have a large uh, NoFX fan base listening. Yeah, um, it's, to, it's uh, actually surprises uh, a lot of people. Yeah. That and Petra. A lot of Petra yeah. fans. Yeah. They don't get along, though, at our conventions. But anyway, um, <laughs> but, you know. It's kind of so. rivalry, kind of a. <laughs> The Jets versus the Sharks kind of thing. All right. So Luke chapter 13, a great story about Jesus teaching. And it's important, Mm. two things to note right at the beginning. Jesus is in the synagogue and it is the Sabbath day. So this is going to be a Friday night. A double whammy. Yep. So uh, here he is. he's He's at church. And Sabbath, you know, for us, we think that means Sunday. Or for the Jews, it was Friday night through Saturday sundown and uh but the important sabbath was not just the day you go to church or synagogue it wasn't just uh kind of a a weekend sabbath was one of the ten commandments and the key thing about sabbath was you didn't do any work now the ten commandments says remember the sabbath keep it holy not a finger don't do any work but it doesn't say exactly what that means it doesn't say what work is so there's this huge rabbinical tradition of centuries of religious people trying to say, what is work? And trying mm. to define it. And so when I was in college, there was a certain dorm where if you were an observant Jew, you got to that dorm because you could open the door with a key as opposed to a key card. Because if you used a key card that was using electricity and to use electricity was sort of like starting a fire and to start a fire on the Sabbath day was to use work, uh, was to work. So um, when both when both Henry and Sophia were born, 
Um, they were born in a these are a these are Jake's Beth, children, Beth Israel, not random kids. And uh, and uh, they um and uh, on and Beth Israel they have um uh, Sabbath elevators which just yeah. go up and down all day long on every floor. And uh, Mel was on the thirteenth floor. And um, anyway, it took forever to go <laughs> see my babies because it was the Sabbath. Right. So anyway, because if um, you push a button, you're using electricity, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and that's there it is. that's prohibited. Uh, so so but this is what Jesus is. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Jesus is. Um, and the people, I mean, yeah. And and so the the things that he's dealing with here uh, are folks that in the synagogue. And so Jesus knows this culture. He's not like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. He is being intentionally provocative here. The other thing that's interesting, clearly the passage says, the lady does not come to Jesus for healing. She has been crippled. Yeah. She's just, she's a hunchback or something like that. She's just going to church and is, and Jesus initiates the whole thing. He sees her, calls that's her, right. and without a word from her, sets her free, boom, heals her. So he is intentionally poking the bear in that's front right. of everybody who knows he's breaking the rule in front of the rule keepers on purpose. Boom. And that's very powerful. And remember that, dear listener, she doesn't come looking for Jesus. She's just doing her thing. And this is really an illustration of where all of your people are at who are going to be listening to your sermon in the pulpit. Amen. They are all curved. You and I are curved. This is the, the curvedness of the woman. The reformers said this in Latin, incurvitas scene. We are all curved in on ourselves. And here's the powerful thing is that she doesn't do anything. She doesn't make a decision for Jesus. Jesus comes to her. Yeah. And Jesus sets her straight on the Sabbath. Yep. And boy, this riles the crowd up. And what Jesus is doing here in a powerful way is actually revealing who's really curved in on themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those who would rather justify themselves by their own piety and might, as opposed to uh, the woman who's physically curved. So what this is doing here is Jesus is doing is exposing, exposing the, the actually the curvature of the nature of the Pharisees, the religious here. Yeah. And, you know, again, to your point about Jesus is the one who does all the healing here and all the calling and all the setting free without the woman's help. Um, it's pretty amazing too, uh, and and a corrective to that mm. view that is still so prevalent in the church. If you have enough faith, God will heal you. Yeah. And this lady got no faith. She's like, what? She just sits down. She's like reading the bulletin, and Jesus just like snaps his fingers, and she's healed. Yep. And and this is the this is the work of God. Um, and uh, he lays his hands on her, and immediately she stands up straight. So. Uh, I think it's just important to to note that as, as you did the the thing here also that Jesus is indicating is that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, he and he is the one that that understands that what it means to be in the Sabbath rest of God, the place of um, enjoying fellowship with God, and Sabbath is all about not working, not striving, not trying to impress. It's just resting in who God is and His love. What that looks like is healing. What that looks like is restoration what that looks like is redemption and and he says you know he gives this illustration you let your donkey uh mm. you untie the ox or donkey from the manger and lead it to give it water you said that's not work how much more important is this woman and it's important i think that she's a, a woman by the way uh who would have been seen as less significant and even for him to touch her as he lays hands on her and heals her that way that's a little that's significant because he doesn't have to lay hands on her but here he is touching a woman who would have been seen because of her ailment as 
unclean or broken. You know, the 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 law, the Torah always talked about things that you, to serve God in, in the temple, you had to be perfect physically. You couldn't have an ailment to bring a sacrifice to God. The sacrifice had to be perfect physically, you know, a lamb without blemish and that sort of thing. So even her physical deformity would have been seen as God's judgment or some sort of imperfection, flaw, and he touches her. He has physical contact with her in, in a place where it was viewed to have that contact would have been almost like contagion, like he's he's getting yeah. cooties from her. So he's saying, um, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, despite what you may think, and it's not her sin that's made her this way. Satan has found her this way. And if you give water to a donkey, shouldn't we set free someone who's in bondage on the mm. Sabbath? So this is mm. this is the gospel here. That is, and you know, I think the 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 point going back to what you said is Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath on our rest. I mean, really, one of the things that Jesus is exposing here is on on a profound level, the Pharisees are not wrong to call Jesus out here. You know what I mean? They ha- yeah. they had a tradition, they have a law, and like you know, you know, we could go back: is God the cause of suffering or not? You know, we could discuss this, and they had landed on a position: what is the Sabbath? And what Jesus is making the point here is, is that you actually are damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. You know what I mean? And because the, the only thing that matters is Jesus. As St. Paul says in Galatians, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. What matters is a new creation. And what Jesus is coming in here is like, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. And I am ultimately what matters. And I am where healing is found. I am where your rest is found. I am where your peace is found. Yep. And that's the point. You are damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. So give up and lay and rest and abide in Jesus. And that's the powerful thing here is that the people marveled at what had happened. Yeah. They marveled at what had happened. And when we realize that we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't, we marvel at what Jesus has done for us as well. And we marvel that he's our rest yeah. and that he's our peace and that he set us in curved people straight and, uh, and has made us right because nothing ultimately matters but him. And what's interesting, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, one of the things I think is kind of funny is that the leader of the synagogue does not rebuke Jesus. He's indignant at Jesus, but he's also, he kind of realizes, whoa, I'm in the presence of somebody powerful here. So in kind of a passive aggressive move, he turns to the congregation, the woman in the congregation and says, don't come to get healed on Sabbath. Come on any of the other six days to do it. And uh, and you can imagine Jesus being like, I'm standing right here, bro. If you have something to say to me, say it to me. But he rebukes the congregation, um, which is interesting because the woman actually did not come to be healed. She just yeah. came to synagogue. So uh, he, even the synagogue leader realizes that Jesus is powerful uh, and he doesn't rebuke him, but it, he does it sort of in a backhanded way. But I think the idea is here, uh, preachers uh, who are listening— Make sure um, you you realize that your job is to is to get people to Jesus. You don't want to put limits on how people come to Jesus, um, and uh, make sure you give them the gospel. That's right. Amen. Well, that is a great place to uh, end, I think. And uh, and so, but um, God bless everybody, and remember, um, uh, uh, praise God. Smoke if you got them. Completely, I completely went blank right there. Oh, listen to as much no effects as you can. So, um, or fish. Or Petra. Fish is great. Or Petra. Anyway, praise God. Um, We will talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wants.
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.